Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Zone. I am your host, Austin Baker, here with Wes Johnson, Jason Bowen, and Cody Spears. We're going to go through items that transpired in Week 12, uh, a few things that are coming up in Week 13, and we're going to sit spend a significant portion of the episode talking about the Denver Broncos, who are in a state of disrepair through 12 weeks. And my, oh my, I don't know that there are solutions attainable, but we're going to try to talk through them. That's on the agenda this evening. First, basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use this promo code BLEAV, believe, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. The Trend Zone is back after a week off around Thanksgiving, and we're going to get through week 12. We're going to go through one item per person that jumped off the page and then transition into week 13, the week before everybody, or two weeks before everybody's fantasy playoffs begin for the most part. And then we're going to have a special segment to talk about the Broncos because I think between the four of us, We've decided that they've hit a quagmire that isn't really solvable. So we're going to do a little surgery tonight to figure out what they can actually do, what is wrong. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of different theories floated around. So stay tuned for that. But let's jump into West Week 12 and the NFL. I want one item. Was it? I don't know if it was tough to narrow it down, but give me one thing that stood out for you, sir. Uh, not too terribly tough uh, for me to narrow down as I didn't actually have a chance to watch a lot of football. I was traveling a lot and doing a lot throughout the week. Uh, the one game I did get to um, watch from start to finish was uh, the Patriots-Vikings game on Thanksgiving Day, uh, the evening game. And I thought it was a nice bounce-back game for the Vikings after um, kind of a, a letdown game on national TV against the Cowboys. Uh, the week prior where they got throttled at home, um, they righted the ship. Uh, they won a primetime game when uh, many pundits said that you know they were incapable of doing so. Uh, they did it against the NFL's best defense and the NFL's uh, best head coach ever. Uh, and yeah, I, I was thoroughly impressed the way that they bounced back. Um, I thought that with some of the subtractions along the offensive line that, uh, Belichick would have been able to take advantage of that, uh, to his benefit. And, um, it would be a, another long day for the Vikings, but they responded. Uh, everybody seemed to step up and, yeah, I, I liked what what uh, we saw. Um, special teams, man, they they killed it. They absolutely killed it um, against Belichick, who 
started in the league as a special teams uh, coordinator. So that's his bread and butter. And I, I know that really probably stung for him to see so many uh, letdowns and follies on his, his bread and butter. Yep. Man, and what a relief that was. I'm over here. Cowboys just played. I'm in Texas. We just got whooped by the Cowboys. I was like, out of thing at uh, my wife's parents for Thanksgiving. And I was like, please win this game. Please win this game. <laughs> yeah. Every Vikings win minus the very first one is the same. They come out hot in the first drive. They go to bed on offense in the second, third quarter. And then they turn into the, 2007 Patriots in the fourth quarter and nobody knows why they can't play that type of defense throughout the whole game. This Ed Donatel stuff is very curious in the first three quarters, but that's for a Vikings show. West compliments the Vikings and the Patriots usually like to make you left-handed. That's the old adage for the Belichick and the Vikings went supremely right-handed, just JJ down your throat and whether you like it or not. So advantage O'Connell in that matchup. Uh, Jason, your first item, the downtrodden. Jason Bolin, tell us about week 12. <laughs> the downtrodden is right. <laughs> is right. You know, um, I, I don't think that this is really a surprise, but um, I was looking at, and I'm kind of secretly a, a fan of these guys because I work with a guy that, that's a pretty big fan of them and and um, is the is the commanders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, albeit they, they you know, got a, got a close win over the Falcons. Um, you know, that's God, correct me if I'm wrong, but is that like, is six that five out of seven, out of, six out of seven only yeah. lost to the Vikings. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a, what a, what a little run that these guys have been going on. And now quietly, I think they're only how many games back in the East are they? Uh, not they play the, <laughs> it's actually my, for my next talker in the next uh, round here is they play the giants. They are, Let's see. They are seven and five, the commanders, because they still have a bye week coming up. So uh, they're only two games back of the Eagles and then one game back of the Cowboys. Yeah. And technically they, you know, in the midst of this little run, though, they got that nice victory over the Eagles. So, Mm -hmm. boy, the commanders, I don't know. They're they're really, really impressing me. Another fun stat is Carson Wentz. If anybody remembers him, he has more touchdown passes than Russell Wilson hasn't played (laughs) since week six. So, (laughs) yeah. And we're still on a what? Russell Wilson touchdown to Russell Wilson bathroom watch. He's not going to eclipse that nobody. in his house. <laughs> nope. Nope. But yeah, I like the commanders and I think, gosh, they're going to be, they're going to be a tough team in that NFC. I think uh, sneakingly good for some reason. And Heineke is doing just enough, you know, getting a couple touchdowns a game and not lighting the scoreboard up or anything like that. But I think they're going to get some guys back. I think young is back now, right? Yeah. I think he, uh, is officially back like off IR, but they're just waiting for the. Yeah. And it's good. To to see, it's good to see that defense to play. Like we all kind of thought and yeah. know that they were capable of doing. They kind of took a step back last year, which yeah. is a little bizarre, but yeah, nobody, none of us could figure it out, but yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the, the, they're, they're feeding off of Heineke's energy and it feels a lot like case Keenum in 2017, where the guy probably at his core isn't very good, but the teammates just love him. Yeah, right. He's feisty as hell. And it, it's it's really weird that they continue to win. But I guess at some point, just like the Vikings, we got to just say, all right, these guys are good. Yeah, we, and with that with that impressive win over, over uh, Philly, I mean, yeah. that, in Philadelphia. I mean, mm-hmm. so that shows right there that they got some grit to them. And yeah, that was a heck of a comparison with Keenum, too. Yeah, almost, it feels almost like identical. That. Yeah, because yep. I tried to figure out why... 
some folks are so high on Heineke because uh, all of the quarterback metrics, PFF, DVOA, CPOA, EPOE, they're all like, nah, this guy isn't very good. And then you keep looking up and six out of the last seven, coincidentally, as soon as he got in there, they started winning. Yeah. Yeah. If it's only awesome. they had a stat for Mojo, that would be yeah. Taylor Heineke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Cody, I think you're about to steal mine, but uh, go ahead and try. Uh, I will. I, I know which one you're thinking I'm going to go for. Mm-hmm. I do want to say Jaguar is stunned the Ravens. <laughs> they let their nuts hang on. <laughs> yep. That's not who I picked, oh, but good. I did want to shout out the baby Jags, my little baby Jags. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's the Jets. I think everybody here on the show is a fan of what the Jets have put together this offseason. Obviously, minus Zach Wilson besides me at, over the summer. But they had a big decision to make um, with their backup quarterback, Mike White. And it looks like they made the right one, which kudos to the Jets. They usually don't do that. This guy passed for 315 yards and three TDs in that 31 to 10 over the Chicago Bears. He's just the fifth player to have multiple 300 yard, uh, three touchdown games in his first four starts. He put up, the Jets put up 466 yards of offense, 466 the Jets. I mean, those words just don't belong together. Incredible. Yeah, it's insane. And the, here's the crazy thing is they've only done that three times in the last four years. It was Mike White who started all three of those games. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah. So you got to think, you, you got to think uh, Robert Sala sticks it out with Mike White. Um, let's see. I have another stat here that I also thought was interesting. He's third in yards from a QB's first four starts. He is narrowly outpaced by Mahomes and Herbert. I mean, the comparison <laughs> for this guy is crazy. They cannot bench this kid. I'm rooting for him. On the flip side, if this all falls apart for the Jets before the end of the season, I mean, you got to feel like this New York team is maybe like a Jimmy G or an Aaron Rodgers away from really doing some damage. But, I mean, for me, I'm definitely rooting for Mike White. He's the ultimate success story. I hope – I mean, I hope this week (laughs) he doesn't do that great. I have a feeling like he's going to do good. But I do think that we're going to cover the spread and everything. We're going to win this game. But, I mean, we got a sketchy history versus these backup quarterbacks. So, I feel like Minnesota fans everywhere this week are kind of, you know, sweating it, it a was little bit. sketchy history with the old coaching staff. They've encountered yeah. backups three times, I believe, in 2022. And it's been fine and dandy. And maybe the guy played better than you'd think, but <clears throat> at least they, they found the win. When you yeah, talk Mike about- White looks like a badass, too, kind of. <laughs> White Mike? Yeah. Yeah. So- uh, you talked about Cody about Zach Wilson and that going pear shaped. Wes and I have been doing the show about two years, and we've learned two things emphatically that I've sworn to him. I'm going to repeat over and over. And the first one mm-hmm. is that divisions that look stacked in the preseason do not pan out. And you, sir, Cody, got to listen because we're coming up on that time of the year. Quarterback classes are not infallible. At least half of them won't be any good. So I want you to. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say. I I actually think about it a lot. I'm over here like okay. <laughs> So like Mac Jones, you got to toss him out with the trash. Zach Wilson, you got to toss him out the trash. So, I mean, it's either Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Trevor Lawrence. But you know me and my Trey Lance fan, yep. he's still going to be the best quarterback out of this well, class. Yes. But, but more importantly, when we <laughs> get to Dude January... hasn't played five years, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's getting there. When we uh, More importantly, when we get to January, February, March, and April, I'm going to challenge you show after show. 
Because you're going to go hog wild over this class. And I'm going to say, all right, you find me the three bad ones that are coming out of the first round and you won't be able to do it. I know you. So. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I'm kind of, Yeah, you, you guys do know me. I'm over here like I'm off CJ Stroud. I'm not into Will Levis, but wait till April comes around. Yep. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> you're going to be convinced. Guys. Yeah. The thing about uh, this, the quarterback now, it seems like we call it a joke, but it's it's not even me being a negative Nancy. It's just that the hype machine is so awesome and so great in those three months that every dude is like oh my god baker mayfield mm-hmm. sam darnold and it, i swear to god if you extrapolate every draft class mo- usually most of them aren't worth the damn but I'll, mm-hmm. i always say conservatively half of them aren't going to be what they think they are because you know some, sam darnold could still pan out to be an average yeah. starter. baker could have a cl- career renaissance but it doesn't seem like that now um speaking of those types of quarterbacks yes the jaguars were mine um mine was more with lawrence because i watched that on red zone and they stayed on it forever and mm-hmm. that was his moment where yep. he's going to make that pivot. He's not going to be just, uh, oh, yeah, wait until this guy starts to develop. He developed on the fly against a very good football team. The two-point conversion and the touchdown pass to win it, that was like kind of like his young Peyton Manning moment where like, we were right about this guy. Yep. There's a reason. I was all raising the roof in the living room doing high steps like Russell Wilson on a plane. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, how- I think he officially – even though they're not going anywhere. Uh, he yeah. officially, um, if you had any doubt about whether or not he's going to be any good, this was a growing year for Peterson and himself. And that was his game. It wasn't against the Texans or some moron franchise. Mm-hmm. It was against uh, the Ravens. And the both, I mean, he was impeccable in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And how wild was it that it, you said you were watching on Red Zone? So I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. we both saw this. Justin Tucker's lining up for the 67 yard kick. And I look yeah. at my roommate and I'm like, oh man, like the Jags, they, they're getting Justin Tucker. Like, yep. this is 67 yards in a clutch moment. And we look at each other and we know. And our heart of hearts, Justin Tucker is about to make this yep. kick yeah. and he kicks it. And you see Doug Peterson and this guy's just like, oh, yep. like he just it was perfect. It, yeah. And you knew he was going to make yards it. would have been good. The mm-hmm. fact he did not make this 67 yarder and even the Jaguars coaches were like, oh, like swiping the wet <laughs> off their brow. That shows you how much of a weapon Justin Tucker is 67 yeah. yards away. And we were convinced this man was about to make it. Yeah, and he would have if it I was a 65 yarder. I sat down with my wife and family at dinner and I I told my wife, I was like, thank God I don't like gamble. I was like, because I would have probably bet 700 bucks that that was going to be good. Oh, without a doubt. And, and every one of his field goals is picturesque and perfect. Yeah. And that one was just short by two yards. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see like a split of uh, you replace Justin Tucker's average kicks that he does make with the, the NFL average and to see the Ravens records over the years, how yeah. much they would change in those points. I feel like he'd... He has to add at least one, if not two, wins to the schedule every single year as yeah, a kicker. That's I agree. Insane. Jason, were you going to jump in and say something? I'm sorry. Oh, no. Not at all. I, something I about McManus. <laughs> McManus. Uh, McAnus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we Tucker get... loves those those opportunities, man. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's, and you you trot you get an opportunity to do a sixty nine yarder, you trot him out there again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because he he makes that four out of five times. Yeah, I for sure. Even yeah, I didn't even think about this until Cody just said it. Like the probably the body politic of NFL fans was shocked when he didn't make a record setting field goal. That's where we're at with him. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's impressive. University of Texas, the <laughs> <So come laughs> 
All right, Wes, uh, before we get into the Broncos chat, give me one thing you're taking a peek at for this this Thursday and Sunday and Monday. Oof, this Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. <laughs> um, I'm actually looking forward to Packers-Bears. Why? Uh, the reason being... That's an awful game. It, it is, <laughs> but I, I'm hoping that Justin Fields play, and this is not fantasy-driven. This is... Um, Aaron Rodgers put a stamp on the Bears franchise last year that he owns them. And this is there's like no more opportune time for the Chicago Bears to prove that, you know, he's mortal and to write this ship than a home game against the Packers where Rodgers has a broken thumb and bruised ribs and you know, is coming down off a of ayahuasca high and whatever else that, you know, excuse that he has lined up. Um, so I, that's what I'm looking for. Um, I, I would love nothing more than to see the bears just put that final nail in the coffin of uh, the Packers season. So you substantially dislike the Packers a lot more than the bears. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. In, in in recent history, yes. Okay. I. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I always have more disdain for the Packers because they're so damn good. But mm-hmm. I have a. They're pretty one A and one B. Once I convince myself that you know Packers are my primary problem in life, then I turn on a Bears game and like oh, I hate these bastards too. So <laughs> <laughs> I do as well. The, I do as, as a, well. But as, as, a, as yeah. yeah, go. And you go ahead and finish. Oh no. I, just oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'll, I'll as a, come in after. <laughs> as a fan of since 2009, uh, the Bears don't really weigh on me much. But let me tell you, I am salivating at Aaron Rodgers' downfall. As, as bad as that sounds, and I was telling my wife earlier, I was like, this guy goes to another team, you know, I'll, I'll be a fan. But as far as having to go up against this guy over the years, I mean, I remember back in 2011, I'm getting my first taste of this rivalry between the fans on social media and stuff like that. And you got Aaron Rodgers drinking purple um purple soda purple orange or purple crush at the end of games and just all the little petty stuff over the years to where it felt like we we didn't really have a chance it's i i can't wait and i i can't wait to see the mess like i've mentioned before he he has his team on a stranglehold they're due 60 million dollars guaranteed to aaron Rodgers next year whether he wants to play for him or not he could retire and get out of it but yeah, I, I don't. Mean, I don't think he can go. It's gonna be a mess. I don't think he can. You talked about maybe playing elsewhere. That was a last year talker. I don't think he can yeah. even go. He'd have to like sit out for two years. Yeah, he'd um, have to retire for them to get off the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, because the way that I understand it now is that the ninety-nine million dollar cap hit next year. We'll, we'll talk about this with the Broncos. <laughs> uh, uh, is that Rod? The Packers won't be on the hook for that if Rodgers retires. They still have to pay something like between forty and sixty, spread out over two or three years. But it's not quite down the line as the dead cap indicates on SpotRack or OverTheCap.com. So they have that going for them. However, if they did trade him, I don't think another team can electively say we'll take the dead cap. I think that mm-hmm. stays on the Packers' books regardless. So the uh, prognosis of him possibly paying playing for the Jets or those, I don't think there's a way. I think when they they signed that new humongous extension for three years, that that's Rogers' money if he wants it. Yeah, the only way I could see it would be like a Brock Osweiler Browns oh, yeah. uh, salary dump, <laughs> possibly. But the only other team who could really afford to 
take on that type of money really realistically is the bears and i don't see that happening either yeah, which would be totally that. fun and awesome for all types of reasons but yeah. that's definitely not going to happen yeah all right jason uh before we get into broncos chatter one thing from week 13 well yeah i mean obviously i'm looking forward to the to the vikings jets game i mean my my entire family will be at that game so my youngest son will actually get to go see some good football <laughs> Uh, so that'll be good. I didn't, like I said before the show, I, I did give him my blessing to if he wanted to. And if he sh- should decide to become a Vikings fan after this, <laughs> I will be OK with it. No, no big deal. Poor kid has never watched good football. I feel so bad for him. Um, but I think this is going to be a great game. Uh, Jets got a really good defense. Um, Mike White, as you guys alluded to a little bit earlier, is making that offense. I mean, wow. What he did was just incredible. Um, gosh, if, you know, it, it, I think this is going to be a great test for the, the Vikings offense too. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Vikings can come out and get a nice victory over the jets and it, you know, that'll be another good win to stack in that, in that win column. I mean, in, you know, following up with what you guys mentioned earlier, that was a great win against the Patriots as well. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to, to watching that matchup. I, I've spent most of this week thinking about this game for my job and I, I I'm torn always thinking like, all right, you got to beat the jets at home. Like, cause I'm like, this is the jets. And then I look at the metrics and they're damn good defensively. If white Mike is any good for the long term, then they're going to be pretty formidable overall because their special teams are average, but the defense is just as good as the Patriots with, without Belichick's stamp on it, like, you know, his personal branding. Uh, so, but then I'll, you know, when I go to bed then I'll be like, it's the goddamn jets. Come on. See, now, if it would have been just Zach Wilson yeah. and, you know, cause before three weeks ago, we were talking about the jets. Nobody really knew how good these guys were. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, yeah, they had a great defense, but Zach Wilson was, wasn't doing anything. (laughs) And then now you got a quarterback in there that, you know, it could have been, it could have been, it could be a flash in the pan with this guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's done it, you know, a couple different times before, which is awesome, but if he can sustain this, this is just, would be just an incredible story. Well, last year he turned into a pumpkin and they benched his ass in a hurry, I think to get back on the Wilson train when he wasn't Mm -hmm. as stinky. Um, yeah, yeah. did he, he? So he had one good game last year and then kind of fell off. He had, yeah, he threw for 405 yards, I believe, against the Bengals, two or three Jeez. touchdowns. <clears throat> had an ordinary game the next week, which was blah, like 200 yards. And then against the Bills, uh, zero touchdowns, four picks. And oh they, my gosh. Yep. And then the legend of White Mike was over at least for about <laughs> a year. And they went back to Wilson and, you know, Flacco or whatever for the beginning of the season because Wilson was hurt. So, They've settled on 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 white, and I don't know. Last last week at this time, we didn't talk, but I was convinced the Vikings would be just fine against Mac Jones, and then he looked like Brady. I've said it a hundred <laughs> times this week that you might as well had Brady playing for the Patriots because three hundred eighty two yards, two touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles. That's Brady, and so it really wouldn't matter if it was Mac Jones or Tom Brady in that game because the Patriots somehow played error free football and lost. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, incredible. You know who didn't? Or you know who did know Zach Wilson wasn't the guy? Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore <laughs> is watching those second and third string receivers catching all those yeah. nice passes at <clears throat> practice and was like, we need this guy to start. And then as soon as he gets in there, he's putting up a decent stat line again. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike White's good game of the year is over then. Now he's going to go back into uh, you know his shell and be dormant for the next well, year. Well, Richard, Richard Sherman said on somebody's podcast this week, 
pretty emphatically that Mike White is a franchise quarterback. And oh, I'm like, geez. can you, I was like, couldn't you say that next week? I don't want to have to think about that all week. <laughs> yeah, um, either way, it should be a good game. It should yeah. be a good oh, game yeah. of football. Yeah, even, even if Mike White is back on his average game, it's Vikings football, which means it's going to come mm-hmm. down to within eight points. Somebody's going to win it or God forbid they get their asses kicked because that happened not too long ago by the Cowboys. I think the best thing oh, about the Vikings, the though, is they're they're uh, they're uh, I guess if you want to call it a rebound game after the shellacking. Yeah, that, I thought that that was that speaks volumes of the way the team is coached, the way that they come together and, and everything about it. So I thought that that was great. That day that kind of proved your point that you shared on Twitter, didn't it? A little Which, bit, you know, about one? The, the the Super Bowl teams that got just devastated oh, yeah, yeah. that one game. Yeah. Yeah. If if they wanted to be considered the real deal, they had to somehow, no matter how, how they did it, win against the Patriots. Otherwise, it, it's a crime to lose back to back at home when you want to be considered a Super Bowl contender. If you want to go on the road and do that shit, it happens. Yeah. Uh, but not at home. Um, all right, Cody, your week 13 item. Uh, for me, it's um, I also like the Miami and San Fran game. Uh, it was between that one and the Kansas City and uh, Cincinnati game. Uh, for me, watching that Kansas City-Cincinnati game, this is a rematch of the AFC Championship last year. Uh, I really thought the Chiefs were going to take that one and go on to win the Super Bowl. So I fully expect the Chiefs to come out of this one angry. Um, on the other note, when Jamar Chase was questionable against Tennessee last week, you know, I wondered if they'd be extra cautious, hold him out, maybe fire him up a week later against the Chiefs. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, in their previous meeting in week 17 last season, Jamar Chase went off for 10 catches, 266 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. That is insane. <laughs> the uh, the fact is, with Joe Mixon, Iffy, and Taylor Boyd's better served as a number three receiver. I mean, Jamar Chase can change the entire complexion of Cincinnati's offense and Kansas City's defense. Uh, assuming he returns, you know, Jamar Chase is a big enough piece to sway this to where, you know, I'm comfortable taking the home team to win. And they could beat this Chiefs team to lay a stake and you know, that they're the team to beat in the AFC. Because right now with the Bills struggling, mm-hmm. and I mean, the Ravens just lost to the Jaguars. It's the Chiefs and who else? It's the Chiefs versus whoever wins it. Miami in Dolphins. <laughs> no. uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's it. They were no. kind of leaking out. But, I mean, we're going to get to see the I'm, – I'm hoping someone talks about Miami and San Fran. Um, just in case nobody does, I mean, yeah, you better do it because I'm not gonna. Yeah. Okay. Then real quick, this is just like a new rivalry. We could be seeing blossom into the league. Uh, you got so many layers from Jeff Wilson trade, Mike McDaniel return, the Twitter beef that they have this week with Raheem Mostert saying that Miami's squad is better talented. Uh, you got San Fran, which is the best defense in the entire league right now. They haven't allowed a second half point in the last four games, which is nuts. They're making these halftime adjustments and they are executing. And then you also got Miami's offense, which, which has been amazing. Tua is quietly having such an elite year. Everybody's saying Mahomes for MVP because, I mean, who who wouldn't? Mm-hmm. But if he does have a challenger, who is a dark horse for the MVP? It could be Tua. This guy is killing it. This is Tua is PFF's baby. Like, mm-hmm. he is the perfect PFF quarterback in an offense like that with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. That's all you need. You just need someone to go do the layups and distribute the ball. I mean, they're they're deadly. So I'm super interested in seeing this number one defense and this top offense go at it. We usually see defense come out on top. I do have San Francisco in this game, 
but this could be a Super Bowl preview right here. On uh, the Miami, uh, Wes's Dolphins, uh, every morning I drop my kids off at school. The schools are like four blocks apart. And I listen to probably about 10 minutes of ESPN radio. And I swear to God, in the last week, about three times at that time slot, I've heard them question whether or not Tua and the Dolphins can win in the cold in January. So that's something to keep an eye on, whether they have to go to Buffalo Mm -hmm. or Baltimore. I've never, besides that old Buccaneers stat when we were kids about they were 0 and 40 when it's temperatures under 40, whatever. Well, I think it was 0 and 20 something when temperature was under 40. And uh, I've never really bought into cold stats, but if there ever was one, it is a Southern market team with a Southern based quarterback. And so there might be something there to keep an eye on. And then you talked about MVP. I wrote an article about this on Vikings territory that if Justin Jefferson wins the receiving crown, crosses 2000 yards and the Vikings finish about 14 and three or 13 and four, I believe he will get votes uh, more so than Cooper cup single one last year. I don't know if they're funky enough to uh, overtake Mahomes, but I think they need a symbol and 2000 yards would be the symbol that the voters could defend their case. So, and a, and a non-quarterback hasn't won it since Adrian Peterson, 2012, exactly 10 years ago. So it might just be a Viking award when it's not a quarterback award. But that's only if he crosses 2000 and he tops Tyree kill and the Vikings keep winning. Um, that is not my talker for the week. I'm talking way too damn much, but I want to say the commanders giants game is more so than just NFC, NFC East rivalry. They have almost identical records, so it will determine who is gnawing at the seventh seed and who is gnawing at the sixth and fifth seed the rest of the way. Because that division is so competitive, whoever wins this game will have a tiebreaker and will probably not get the seventh seed. And the team that loses is going to have to start worrying about the Seahawks because if you don't believe the Seahawks are frauds and you know six and five, they're going to end up being seven and five, eight and five, then whoever loses is going to have to fight to get into the seventh seed. So on top of it being a legitimacy test for the commanders, uh, it's going, has heavy playoff implications and who to thunk it. Nobody ever would have thought that week 13, the commanders and giants would be playing for a playoff spot. All right. It is time for our surgery on the Denver Broncos. I was telling the gentleman before I was trying to head to bed last night and I was thinking about all the stuff Jason said about, you know, you're helpless right now. And I, I, with the the Walmart, Walmart people in charge now of the Broncos, you don't know how to predict what they'll do to fix this. Um, so I'll start off with what I think are the options for the team. If they do anything at all, and th- there's a bunch, um, they can run it back everything the same and just consider this a growing pains year. It'd be a really long growing pain for to take a whole season. Uh, they could scapegoat and fire Nathaniel Hackett, which is I think is the most likely like option, and then go hire like a former Russell Wilson quarterback coach or something like that to start over and convince yourselves that Russell Wilson can't be that just bad because we're paying him all this money. Um, the other option I believe would be to because it seems like it's the crime of the century fire George Payton and then, you know, let the Walmart people figure out who the next general manager is. And then they don't have to have the stink of that contract on them. And they can make the deadly decision to trade Russell Wilson to the dumbest, you know, person that's going to do business for him. Um, Or I guess, I guess you could bring in a new general manager who goes to find a coach, like they fire everybody but Russ. But Russ is right in the middle of this because of all the money that is in his bank account that is irreversible. Uh, Jason, I'll give you the first word about your emotions on these options, and then we'll start to get into 
the whodunit. You know, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, um, you know, there's reports coming out of Denver that Nathaniel Hackett hasn't lost the locker room. Russ has. Yeah. Right. And then there's there's those reports coming out. And obviously this is all clickbait material, but it, it kind of goes to what I said earlier on in the season. It's like he, this guy's like Bo Callahan. What, Russ, why didn't anybody show up to your birthday party, dude? You know, uh, <laughs> half, the I, team. I, and half the team. God damn it. Yeah. Half the te- only half the team. <laughs> um, so it's like I, I I don't know what they do. I mean, can you. Okay, so let's let's take Russell Wilson out of this picture altogether. Okay. I loved and still do love George Payton. Mm-hmm. He conducted an extensive um coaching search. Mm-hmm. Very, very intelligent football mind, from what I can tell. You guys have more history with him than I do. And you've even said so the same said the oh, same. Yeah, we thought it was gonna be great. Mm-hmm from what you saw in, in Minnesota. So he narrows his coaching search down to after all kinds of different rant, you know, 10 different people. And the finalists come down to Dan Quinn, Kevin, Kevin O'Connell and, and Nathaniel Hackett. I can't imagine that he's sitting in there knowing how important this decision is, is just hires some idiot. <laughs> right. So I don't believe that Peyton is bad and nor do I believe that Hackett is this bad. Mm-hmm. Um, now what I'm starting to think is that this entire team is bad and that these players were never good <laughs> as good as I thought, or I had convinced myself that they were, I mean, I have seen Cortland Sutton drop balls all year. I have seen Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler drop balls and go out injured. I have, and, and that's not absolving Russell at all because I thought he'd be able to elevate whatever team he was on, mm-hmm, like, like like Manning did. But that hasn't been the case at all. He d- It looks to me like he's never played this position before. <laughs> um, so, and then every now and again, you know, you guys caught those primetime games. Every now and again, yeah, there's the rust that we were mm-hmm. all waiting for, you know, when he made that little ridiculous shovel pass to Melvin Gordon when he was about ready to get sacked. That's mm-hmm. the game that they actually beat the Niners, which I mean, <laughs> at one point in this season, they were two and one. Um, I still don't understand where the offense went that first after the first game in Seattle. That offense looked good, albeit the red zone problems. But then again, they were fully healthy. Then they got 17 starters that are hurt. I, I don't know. Holy shit. I don't really know. Oh, man. Wes, I think for, so if you don't believe in Russell Wilson going forward, was he 34? You a have to assume that he encountered a performance decline, kind of like Donovan McNabb way early age, 34, 35, 33, I think for McNabb or that it was just an entire mirage for a decade in Seattle. And I, that I, that I think that's simply impossible. So, uh, yeah, Wes, do you think, A, if you're Mr. Payton, do you just fire Hackett and go try this again? Or what do you do, Mr. Johnson? I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Um, I, I think in some aspect, you got to just write it out for the season. 
you know, account for kind of the these record number of injuries uh, or re- record number of money on the uh, the IR, and you know, maybe with the with a complete healthy team, there's a little more cohesion and. Um, yeah, I I really don't know though. Um, I haven't watched many Broncos games past the the two that were on national television just because they were painstaking to watch. And <laughs> well, they all look like that. <laughs> yeah, that that's what I'm I'm hearing. So I, I yeah, I I really don't know. There's definitely been some questionable coaching decisions. Uh, Russ definitely hasn't looked like himself um, or, you know, the, the Seattle self that a lot of us know. Mm-hmm. Um, he himself seems like a fraud at times, uh, at least in the public eye with uh, some of the things that he does. I, I don't know if he's more concerned with marketing and his brand and his image uh, than, you know, studying the playbook or, or playing. And all, um, all of that is fine and dandy, that marketing shit, when you're throwing 35 touchdowns a year. Yeah, but he yeah. keeps this up. There isn't nobody that's going to want to sponsor him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, seriously. Cody. Kelly uh, Moore paint. Uh, you paint the walls, it dries quicker than this offense. Something like that. <laughs> oh, man, alive. Well, and then the thing is, too, is like, I, so there's a, there's a, hey, I haven't seen a play action bootleg yet this year. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen one. Don't know if they even have it in the offense. Russ just wants to be a pocket passer, and he's absolutely horrible at it. Horrible at it. Cody, I think the only thing that can be done is, I don't know if you could lure like Sean Payton or somebody that you know is infallible to make it tick. And when we, but we said this infallible stuff about the whole trade itself, the, the match made in heaven. So I should probably steer away from those adjectives. But Cody, um, what do you? what would you do or what will they do? Uh, for me, uh, I think back to other situations maybe that we've seen this happen before. you got a lot of, you know, one-year-and-done coaches. But one thing that sticks out to me is mo- more recently is when the Panthers were sold. You had Ron Rivera who, you know, he he wasn't doing that great recently. He lost his job over there in Carolina for a reason. But he was at the Super Bowl recently, and they had some pretty dominant seasons over there. And I remember vividly that the Panthers just wanted a, a clean slate. They just wanted to start over with someone they were comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out very well for them. But with the Broncos and their new owners, I mean, the only option I think that you have in this scenario is to get rid of the new guy who, if I'm not mistaken, was put in place by the old old owners and you go with someone that you're comfortable with, maybe you're new to the whole football thing and you want someone to lead the team for you, maybe Peyton's not that guy, you go get someone like Dan Quinn. I, I could see, you know, they flirted with Dan Quinn in the past. I'm sure that the Broncos organization, organization and Pat and himself have nothing but great things to say about this guy. You look at what he did with Dallas this year. I mean, I know Jason don't want to hear about going back to a defensive head coach again, but I'm pretty sure that Denver as a whole will take any – exit out of this out of this trajectory and i i think for me the problems i mean russell wilson's straight up not good i'm not defending the guy but i feel like the problems are almost it's almost too obvious what it is and for me it's coaching whether they think that this guy's a cornball and they don't respect him maybe he's not doing things the right way or doing it differently maybe not hitting with these guys right 
this seems like a situation kind of similar with Matt Rule and the Panthers, just maybe not that in your face yet to where you got people snickering on camera and stuff. But, I mean, you got people walking by Russ over here, like that defensive tackle that was screaming at him. Yeah, Purcell. Uh, yeah, I'm over here picturing Russ. He's over here like, it's Russell Wilson time, and that guy's all screaming at him like, stop saying it's Russell Wilson time. <laughs> yeah. But uh, for me, it's it's just all over the roster. you got the defense, which has been amazing, which is, I mean, even more so for Dan Quinn to come over here. He knows he has something mm-hmm. to hang his hat on. And he could have instant success with. He just has to get the ground game going, get an established coordinator over here to run it for him. And I think that this team could turn things around, especially if you have someone utilizing the strengths of that team. Uh, I think once again, I could be wrong on this. I wasn't. I didn't know where you're going deep diving into the Broncos, but I, I'm pretty sure they're near the top of the league in penalties mm-hmm. and just other little coaching problems that. You know, the receivers dropping the ball, maybe work with your receivers on that more in practice. It seems simple. It seems dumb. But this guy is not inspiring greatness from this Denver squad. They need a proven guy who can go in there and do this for him. And I think the owner change could open a window to be like, yeah, I know that nobody wants to see us fire a coach after the first year, but let's go ahead and wash our hands. It's the first year. We'll keep patting because he kind of knows what's going on around here with the contracts and the roster construction and things like that. Let's get a defensive head coach in here who's a grizzled veteran, and let's write this ship. I mean, I do not think Nathaniel Hackett's the guy. I think the longer he's in there, the worse things are going to happen for this squad. But I do for sure think Russell Wilson is there next year. And as far as I'm concerned, there's two contracts that they need to look at, and only one of them cripples the future of the team, and that's Russell Wilson's. you got to keep that guy. Your head coach's contract does not affect your cap hit or anything like that. Go ahead and wash your hands of it. That's that's spilt milk. Russell Wilson's going to be here whether you like it or not. You got to figure something out because this is not a four-week little stretch to where we're like, what's go wrong with Russell Wilson? No, Russell Wilson stinks in this scheme. You got yeah. to get the scheme out. And like with with Dan Quinn, I'd be perfectly fine with that. I mean, bringing in now, now uh, somebody that has experience mm-hmm. for one, and you know, there's talks that he'd bring in Brian Schottenheimer, who worked with Russ up in Seattle. How well do those guys get along with Russ is the question I have, though. I mean, and then not only that, because we don't know who gets along with Russ and who doesn't Mm -hmm. really. And then so and even if it is Dan Quinn. He was a finalist for the job last year. Is there harsh feelings there to where he wouldn't even want the job. I mean, you know what I mean? That's where it comes back to me again for coaching. You got a coach in there. Like I know Bill Belichick's a goat and all, and it's unfair to compare people to him, but you think guys in that locker room are talking about their feelings or how they're going about a quarterback or anything like that. When it's Bill Belichick or heck even Dan Campbell, whose job is in question. I think Nathaniel Hackett maybe has an accountability problem. Oh, yeah. You can't keep his guys accountable. If you're a coach and you want a cohesive locker room, you're not going to have guys talking about, did you go to Russell Wilson's birthday party? And it's like, hell no, I wouldn't go to that guy's birthday party. He's a cornball. That's not – the coaches not have this team accountable, and I think that they need some – dickhead to come in and be accountable i mean yeah. if, if you're gonna be bad and not you, like fangio who never best. took accountability yeah, fan, yeah <laughs> it's like not, complete yeah. opposite exactly. is what it used to be fangio yep. would get up there and blame his players yep never take ownership nathaniel hackett gets up there and never blames his players and takes all the ownership exactly yeah and nathaniel hackett just has to go go watch some dan campbell hard knocks or something like that the guy might not be good good at calling football games 
or drawn up, you know, good game plans. But the guy does get the most out of his men and he holds them accountable. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to want to be over here yelling at the quarterback while Dan Campbell's standing right there. No, we're a fucking team, man. Like, I think what, what, Hackett doesn't get that from his guys. I think what Hackett, what favored him the most was that he was the complete anti Vic Fangio. It, mm-hmm. I mean, we were in such a hurry to move on from the old curmudgeon Fangio mm-hmm. that you bring in this guy who's got this big personality and, you know, he has, a for the most part, a good idea and a good plan, probably a good uh, interviewer. And uh, it just was like, this is the type of spark this team needs to get out from what we've been under the last yep. three years. Yeah. So desperate to move on. You got with a four thinking it was an eight. Yep. <laughs> Man, <laughs> who does? Well, in retrospect. Um, now, now what we know, two and a half months, almost, well, yeah, let's see, three months into the season almost, um, it doesn't seem all that weird that Aaron Rodgers was a kingmaker of an offensive coordinator. Like, you know, the guy had two MVP, MVP seasons and his offensive coordinator got his head coaching job accordingly. Now, that was whispered, kind of. I think Wes even brought it up in the summer, like, it, there's a possibility that he could have been writing coattails. Well, it looks like that might have <laughs> my, that might have been right. Um, but yeah, with, with Dan Quinn, uh, I think he kind of ended on a sour note in Atlanta. I think they went seven and nine the final two years, and then he was oh and five. But that shouldn't mean anything because you know, with, no. Bel- with Belichick and Cleveland, they Cleveland hated his guts. Yeah. When he benched Bernie Kozar, who was like Michael Jordan in Chicago to that franchise, the, the media, the fans, the ownership hated Belichick. Even when he took him to the playoffs, they hated him. And so I think every co- every coach who ends up going out on a quiet note or a 500 record note um, has a chance at redemption. Um, the difference between Rodgers, you know, we're talking about his dead cap hit about 20 minutes ago, is that he has kind of the retirement option because he's my age. He's going to be 39, I think, next week. And But Russell Wilson doesn't have to retire. So that's why it's so uniquely different with this dead cap conversation is that there is no other way around. Assuming Wilson wants to make all of his $200 million, you have to acknowledge his presence and then ask him to be your QB1. And I don't think trading is a realistic option because it's just suicide. Uh, is, there, is, there, is it possible that a guy like Russell Wilson takes a look in the mirror and goes into – George Payton's office and says, Hey, look, man, I, I know I didn't live up to my end of the bargain. This is what I'm willing to do for the team. Nope. And then, you know, something could potentially happen. I know that's not going to happen, but is it possible? His agent would probably have a heart attack, but I, I, <laughs> I yeah, I, I think he could go in there and say, I'm a fraud. You know, let's <laughs> yeah, well. no way. Russell Wilson's crazy. We've established this multiple times on this podcast <laughs> that there's this something not right. But I, I mean, I think he's got an ego problem, but at the same time, I think this has to bother him a bit. Yeah. I mean, I really honestly do. And uh, one last thing I do want to say about Peyton. Wouldn't, before- but wouldn't have Russell Westbrook already done that with the, with the go talk to your GM and you know, I'm. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I I'm mean, making, that never happens. I'm making amends. Let's let's do this thing. I right. can I can hope. That's my <laughs> hope. That's I can hope for that. I know it's not going to happen. But one last thing I will say about George Payton, though. I mean, can you? God, can you really fire a guy who, aside from? And granted, these are the moves that are absolutely killing this team right now with the coach and the and Russ. But shit. Six months ago, everybody was celebrating this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, especially getting him signed before the other, 
you know, big name quarterbacks ink their deals. Um, everything about what he did seemed to be on par with just, you know, a very intelligent GM. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but you can't grade somebody on hindsight. I understand that, but damn, God, that yeah. would be just a bruiser if this is what crushed him. I think he's good. Uh, you, yeah, I think everything's magnified because of the losing and the expectations, but you look even in the same division at the Chargers. The Chargers, you, there's rumblings about if you know they fall on their face, they might fire their coach. I have not heard a single rumbling about there they will fire their GM. And I think that there's this masked by a seven and five record right now. But you look at George Payton, he's had every bit as bad luck, if not even a little bit better luck than the Chargers GM has. But Payton has put he's made all the right moves. He's drafted a lot of the right guys. You could argue Justin Fields versus PS2 all you want. PS2's an all pro if he isn't already. Uh, I think it's it's similar to the Chargers. You might see a head coach firing. You're not going to see the GM go. Peyton's Peyton's going to pick the next guy. I really I really do believe that Peyton. He's a he's a stud, and even studs miss shots for sure. I, I agree with that. And and you know one thing I will say that I think really hurt the team, and, and a lot of people go argue well, the the offense wasn't doing anything earlier in the year when they were all healthy anyway. Um, you know, but at one point in time, they were two and one. They were still trying to figure it out. Remember how often they were getting down to the red zone? They just couldn't score. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I think when Javante Williams got hurt, I think that really threw the whole offensive playbook out the window. And they just started to, you know, do whatever, whatever Russ wanted to do, which was stand in the pocket and throw, which clearly didn't, didn't, hasn't worked, but I mean, you know, you, you take out and because then they tried to, you know, get Melvin Gordon involved, but he just kept fumbling. So then you got to bench, then you got to bench him and put in somebody like Mike Boone, but then he gets hurt. And then you got to bring people up off practice squads like Marlon Mack and freaking uh, Latavius Murray, who, yes, I know had a 52 yard rush the other day, but, he, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean that, that having that constant bell cow back that you could count on that you were basing your entire offense about, uh, around for the most part, at least going into the season. That's, I mean, he caught 11 balls that first game against Seattle rushed that, for 80. That's usually what, when Russell Wilson is at his finest is when he has beast mode or uh productive Chris Carson able to, you know, rush for 10, 1200 yards for sure. And then, you know, he, then it's up to Russ to close out games. And he was so good at the closing out games. Like just, yeah, um, I just, I mean, seriously, I would encourage this and I, and, you guys should watch that first game that the highlights from that first game against Seattle aside from, cause everybody made the big deal of, Oh, they fumbled it twice on the one, mm-hmm. they, you know, they could, they had five opportunities to get down there or to score and they couldn't do it. But all the, the, that aside, Hutch, how effortlessly that team moved it up and down the field. Uh, Judy had 130 yards receiving. Cortland Sutton had almost 80. You had their tight ends getting involved. Their running backs each had, you know, almost 80 yards apiece. Um, Russ had 340 yards passing and a touchdown. I mean, that's that. What happened? Yeah, that's all a thing of the past. All I mean, all of that production seems like uh, somehow they got they regressed they, they didn't do it but they haven't done anything like they did that first game since that first game. yeah that's what i don't understand yeah and that's what and, you can't put your thumb on because it should get better 
Yeah. And George Payton with a masterclass move of releasing an angry Melvin Gordon and he goes to the Chiefs. Now he's in a fumble and a critical moment for the Chiefs. That's how good Payton is. He knew. He knew. <laughs> yeah, they have they have so many running backs. It's like I always look up and the Chiefs got a new they got like oh, four, yeah. four running backs that they use. And and the projection on sleeper for Jarek McKinnon is like 16 points. Yeah, I Are saw that. Me? I, I saw, saw Melvin Gordon sign with them, and I was like, no, nah, I'm done. I dropped him in our league. Let someone else pick him up yeah. and try to play him. Hey, Gordon will probably do awesome, though, for the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can find out twice. Again. Never will. Not only that, he recovers fumbles. Think about, uh, so Wes, on my YouTube show about the Vikings today, I had Josh Fry on who writes for purpleptsc.com and a complete hypothetical. I can't believe and I even came up with it. I asked him, you know, let's say the Vikings close out this season with a whimper, whether they finish 10 and 7 or something, 11 and 6, or they get to the first round of the postseason and lose to the Falcons at home, 30 to nothing, something unforgivable. And all of the uh, the bad Kirk Cousins chat comes back up and people want to be done. I asked him if there was any scenario where he would send like a fourth rounder for one of the Wilson brothers, Rus- Russell Wilson or Zach Wilson. And he was like appalled that I even asked that. <laughs> think, of, think about that question three months ago. Yeah, We would have been like, oh, I was, take them both. Yeah. I was just thinking about that the other day, even as you started to talk about this, I was thinking in my head, like, I'm going to mention to them, like, Zach Wilson and Purple, would it call, <laughs> Would it be okay for a third and a fourth? So, that, I mean, I would, I'm not appalled. Yeah, that, uh, well, yeah, because the verdict, he's he's not quite Josh Rosen yet. Um, but yeah, the verdict's still out on him. Who knows if the attitude shit is real? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Russell Wilson was always, would be tricky because you'd get all the money too. Mm-hmm. But I, but yeah, the way that Josh reacted was just like, oh God, no, why did you even? A two year rookie contract over Nick Mullins. I would take it. Although Zach Wilson, uh, the way he's handled this year, I'm so off of this guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Uh, like we've talked about before, he this guy is like Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers 100% of the time. He is that Pat Mahomes all the time. So like when people say he has a Pat Mahomes ceiling, yeah, you're right, but it's not a good Pat Mahomes ceiling. <laughs> he can make all these crazy throws without moving his legs or setting his feet. The thing is, though, in professional football, you got to do those things. But that is also something that could come with coaching, which is what the Jets thought they could do. And yeah. with our current staff, you know, I'm confident in anything Kevin wants to do. Yeah, and remember, no matter what happens with the Vikings, we'll end on this note, whether they win a couple playoffs games, lose the NFC Championship like we're all accustomed to, or even get to the Super Bowl. Um, Kirk Cousins turns 35 this uh, summer, and that changes everything because no longer does the narrative have to be, we got to get somebody better than Kirk. It's that you start to plan for life after anybody at age 35, so long as it isn't Rogers or Brady. So any type of quarterback stuff on the atmosphere is actually reasonable now because you're plotting for life after Kirk, because there is always a chance when you hit that age that you're just ineffective. And I hate to say that because, you know, we've come to to love Mr. Cousins, big Kirko. Uh, but he's it, the most strapped guy in the league. <laughs> His quote himself. But we yeah, we we hit that. Uh, we're going to hit that part, that age, that 35, where now normally pass pocket passers can be just fine up until 38, 39. Um, but it wouldn't be very unprecedented for one seed. I mean, seeing it in Denver right now, Russell Wilson, obviously, washed at age blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Is he 34? Yeah, I just heard. Yeah. Yeah, his yeah. birthday yesterday. <laughs> oh, well, that's right. Yeah, the party. Yeah. <laughs> and on, on that note, uh, the fucking Bo Callahan, part. man. It's yeah. Like, yeah, and the thing is, you started using that what? name. 
Like just <laughs> when it started to smell a little foul. Not yeah, not, I called not, that. I yeah. called this. Yeah, you got uh, a Viking Super Bowl and you got this one you called. I did, man. So why didn't anybody show up to your birthday party, Bo? <laughs> uh, that's that's the question we need to we need to figure out that's what oh my god and then it happened it, uh, yeah it is like yeah movie script like so all right yeah, gentlemen every guest gets a bathroom in that house one one quick outro <laughs> yeah. uh speaking of patrick mahomes um i was watching the usc notre dame game uh this past weekend and caleb williams quarterback for usc um, go back, go on YouTube, watch. They have like a, every pass or every pass play that he had. Go back and watch that. Uh, he is very Patrick Mahomes esque. Oh, um, he is him. He is the truth. Yeah. It is a good oh, time to be a U.S. That, that's who we're going to get after we trade <laughs> Russell Wilson after this year. We're going to get another team to, to commit, you know, 25 a year to him. And we're going to take on like 80 million in dead cap. And we're gonna to tough it out for one year. We're gonna get Matt the number one pick, Nebraska, and we're gonna take though. him. Is Matt rules on Nebraska though? We we won't even need a coach for that. Uh, Wes, does he come out in twenty twenty four? Twenty twenty four. Okay. Yep. And yeah. Drake May, that is another guy right up there with them. Those two quarterbacks. It's like having two Trevor Lawrences at the top. Because we take that dead cap hit, we only need to suffer for one year. It can't be any worse than this. Then you, year. Might, then you might as well keep Hackett and let him be the total. That's what I'm saying. Game. Yeah, might yeah. as well. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, we'll be back uh, next Wednesday to go through all of the stuff. And I don't know if we'll have Broncos hour, but we'll see what kind of shit comes up. All right. Yeah, all, right. all right. Later. Good night, guys. Take Bye. it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.